This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. Hey. And I'm Sabrina. And I think when this episode comes out, we are in Nashville doing our live show. Are we? I think so. June 16th. Good God. We're pre-recording a couple weeks early just because you're going to Croatia for your dad's wedding. Mm -hmm. And then we have the show right after. So I don't even know what day it is or... (laughs) what's coming out when a lot is happening in our lives so a lot is happening we're trying to make content for you guys but yeah so that means we're in nashville and if you're not there you missed out sucks for you boo hoo you can come to new york yeah so get your tickets we're going to be at the gotham comedy club in new york city on july 14th yeah yep i have a story for you where do i even start so basically we've been listening to mfm for years and i've always been Mm -hmm. like do i know anyone who's a murderer and there's this guy who I who I knew in middle school, and I could never for the life of me remember his name. And I was like, he always gave me weird vibes. And basically, when I was in sixth grade, I like didn't have, you know, I wasn't like a cool girl. I didn't brush my hair, and I wore like Broadway musical t-shirts only. So I was just like an awkward little sixth grader whose older sister was in eighth grade, and she vo- was voted like most fashionable and never wore the same outfit twice ever in eighth grade. So she was just like the cool girl, and I was, you know, I was me. And so mm-hmm. my one friend was like, oh, my God, there's this guy. He's an eighth grader who like you should totally meet and talk to. And so she introduced me to him, and he like, you know, when you're in middle school, you like don't – you don't talk to a person face-to-face you text or you use your phone right that's the only communication you have with them so he starts texting me and i was like oh my god a guy's paying attention to me cool and then this guy starts getting really weird and he tells me he got arrested at the mall because he threatened a security guard with a knife and i was like well that's fucking weird and so for the life of me i couldn't remember his name and then someone i i wrote down his name joshua on our facebook group posted this like dateline photo that says have you ever interacted with someone you later found out was a killer and i'm like when i read that in an instant this guy's name came back to me and i was like oh my god finally so i google searched his name and sure enough my instincts as sixth grade me were right because he's been arrested three times he has not killed anyone for murder no not no no not murder but he's been arrested three times two for burglaries and for a weapons violation so i'm not (gasps) off base no, you're not. He could you be had a good read. He could be a, later down the line. But I'm not saying his name because I don't want him to come at me. Yeah, don't. Not that we've well, talked since sixth grade. But. I don't have as good of a read because when I was 17, I dated someone and I did not find out until later after the breakup that before we had dated, he had gone to jail for attempted murder. What? That's crazy. <laughs> Who? Uh, someone was like threatening his sister and he beat him up and went too far what how did you yeah. meet this guy uh in hollywood we were both extras on a television show well i that's where i got my stalker from being an extra on a movie set so do you know who your stalker is or you just think that they- i think it's someone i don't remember his name but i think it's this person who i met on set somewhere 
One of my friends, I think, has a stalker. That's so scary. Besides you, who I know has a stalker. But she was at work and someone called her and was like, oh, is this? And I don't want to say who it is, but is this so-and-so? And she was like, yeah, can I help you? And then he just said, I hope you're having a wonderful day or like something creepy and then hung up. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Well, they have to be aware if they keep calling and if they keep saying weird stuff, then they should be very cautious. Yeah. You got me thinking with the Facebook post that who who posted it, Joshua? Yeah. Um, There is a book called. Did you get it for me? I don't know. It's called Serial Killers. I don't think so. So Who gave it to (laughs) me? Oh, wait, I'm forgetting. Well, now I'm remembering. It was, no. You know what? I have no idea who gave it to me. Somehow I got the book Serial Killers and I've read it a few times. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And in the book, the guy, the author, he talks about how you can meet and interact with serial killers and not even know. And he himself was able to pinpoint two actual serial killers who he had met. One was, and I think MFM actually covered it. The man who, it's really disgusting and I can't remember his name, but he had um, basically targeted sex workers, I believe, and he had, uh, part of his MO was slicing off the breasts of women, and he decapitated a woman and had her head in a bag and was leaving a hotel, and that same night, the author of this book was booked into this hotel and went up and crossed paths with him in the elevator and remembers thinking that the guy was really off and the bag that he was carrying kind of, like, brushed up against his leg. And he was <gasps> like, oh, like, what's in there? Like, this guy looks sketchy. No. And then the cops came, like, the next day and he realized that it was that guy. And then another time he was over, I think, in Europe or something. He was somewhere basically interviewing all of these people. Just there was – I have – I my memory is not there. I don't know what the event was. But he was a videographer and he was going around videotaping people and interviewing them on what they thought about this like one event. And there was a guy who was like really heated and was complaining a lot about the event and didn't like it and blah, blah, blah. And then years later, this author of the book sees this guy's picture who he remembers interviewing and has video footage of him interviewing him. And that guy was a serial killer. Whoa. Or I don't know if he was a serial killer, but he was a killer. I wonder if the first one was Kendall Francois. Maybe. Because he targeted sex workers. But I don't know. It might have been. I don't know. I don't remember. He... I know MFM definitely covered it, though, because when I was reading in the book, I was like, oh, this sounds so familiar. Hmm. Okay, then maybe it's not him. But I, yeah, so that's crazy. Yeah. They say that you cross paths with like sociopaths often in your life or you'll you'll at least have one cross with them. But mm-hmm. what if how do you I wish I have the ability to know. That's the thing. It's like, how would you know? Unless something comes out, it's okay. So, for example, we've talked about this before. When the Golden State Killer was finally caught all those years later, one of our friends, and I don't think I can say many details. I don't even know if I talked about it. Oh, my gosh. I might not have talked about it. Never mind. I don't know if I'm allowed to say. It's an active investigation. Wait, but now you need to. You need to tell me. Okay, well, one of our friends, I'll just say, like, very vague overview one of our friends grandparents had a weird interaction with joseph d'angelo the golden state killer and had reported this interaction to the police because they thought it was a weird person (gasps) then just went on with their lives and all these years later it's him the confirmation that it was him whoa and now they might have to testify 
Oh my gosh. Wait, okay. You have to- I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say but this. But that's fine because there are I- probably so many people who called and reported him. Yeah. Yeah. And I gave like no. Yeah. After it all happens, I'll tell you like. You can't tell me who, even me, just not on the podcast. Well, no, I'll tell you after okay. the podcast. That's that's what I mean. Not you can tell everyone else after the fact. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll tell you. Sounds after. good. We you talk to uh, at Prodigal Son. We talked to this guy who's a psychological profiler for. He's worked in a bunch of different areas for the government, and we had like a FaceTime with him just to ask him questions and stuff. And he was talking about how the scariest thing he's ever done is sit is go sit in a room with children who are on their way to becoming psychopaths and how they're mm-hmm. terrifying and they will do anything and everything to hurt you like they will pick up the rug and like t- like like make the rubber underneath the rugs into a shiv and then when you come into the room they'll come running at you with it and i was like that is terrifying what Jeez if your so. kid it's like that movie we need to talk about kevin like it's so scary what if your child is exhibiting behaviors like that well, yeah, and it's like it's one of those things where can they be rehabilitated? And part of me believes yes because there was that case. It was called oh my god, Child of Rage. Oh, I don't think I've seen it. I swear it's on like Amazon Prime or something because Jill the other day was like we should watch it, and I was like I already watched it and it's messed up, so you can watch it alone. But it's basically about this girl who had been adopted and. Prior to being adopted, she had a really, really rough life. And she was adopted when she was, like, three or four years old. Like, she had not lived for very long, but lived way more than most people have ever lived. And when she was adopted, she exhibited all of these signs of being, like, a sociopath. And she, they would, the parents would have to lock their door at night (sighs) and lock their, their son in his room so that she wouldn't go and try to hurt them. Because she talked about the desire to kill them and... All of this stuff. It's so interesting. Everyone should go watch Child of Rage. It came out in the night, like early 1990s, and we watched it in psych class. But she now is a very functioning, normal adult. She was completely rehabilitated. Wow. I mean, yeah. I mean, my question for that would be is that psychopathy or so- sociopathy, or is it just something else based on? Right. It could have been behavior as a result of right. what had happened to her. Because they have done tests. And studies, and there's no known cure for, at least for adults who have sociopathic. Yeah, no, it's just, yeah. are they, and you can be a sociopath and a psychopath. I know. And be a functioning person without being a murderer. Right. Well, there's that book, Confessions of a Sociopath, which is amazing. And if everyone hasn't read it, you need to. It's so good. Yeah. Or The Psychopath Inside, mm-hmm. that's really good too. Yeah. It is fascinating. I, I always just some of our light reading material, <laughs> our recommendation list. <laughs> yep, you know. Oh, there's this. Okay, just because it was so interesting, we sat down with this guy, and he was saying that there is, there was a study done. Can't remember what it's called, but basically, they wanted to see if killers could be rehabilitated. So they brought one of these serial killers into a group therapy session because we were basically asking, like, can would a serial killer be in group therapy if they're in like a mental faci- like a rehab facility? Mm-hmm. And they did this study where they had one go to therapy and like they realized there's no way to therapize a serial killer. What they do is they try to create chaos within the group and they'll like make other people mad at each other and then sit back and watch like the chaos ensue. That's so creepy. I know. But I love it. I know. <laughs> I really do love it. 
And now we've it's become messed up, but it's so interesting to think about. If you're not a part of it, it's very interesting. But then the second that you become a part of it, it's terrifying. Right. Because someone's just manipulating you and you are so unaware of it, which is crazy to me. Ugh. Okay. Here we go. Haunted Anaheim. And this topic was chosen by uh, a Patreon member. Heck yes. By Carrie. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, this one was cool because she she wanted she picked one specific thing that she wanted us to cover, which was Black Star Canyon, which is what you which were going to do. Which is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And then she was like, and then I just want to hear about haunted things in Anaheim. So it kind of gave me free reign, but I chose something that everyone has been asking us to cover for a while. Is it Disney? Did you do Disney? It's Disneyland. Yes! <laughs> I was halfway through Black Star Canyon and I was like, I freaking love this story, but I sure as hell hope so it's <laughs> Disneyland because when is a better time to do Disneyland than Anaheim? We have to. Although I did. Okay. So just as a side note, a really small thing. There was this one place and now I'm blanking the name, Silver Something in uh, Anaheim and there's a ghost that haunts them or haunts the place and the ghost is like, you can do it you got this like basically gives affirmations to people and i was like that is oh so God. cute that's you as a guest <laughs> you appearing in a mirror you're gonna have the best day ever you're so successful you're a boss lady <laughs> i love that now i need to that's a place i would stay at yeah because if it if it's motivating sure yes that's a good i'll risk my life yeah there <laughs> but i want to hear about black star canyon Okay, well, let me tell you about Black Star Canyon. Okay. Black Star Canyon is in Orange County, which maybe to most people, when you think of Orange County, you think of Disneyland, you think of Laguna Beach, you think of the Real Housewives. The OC. The OC. California. And I think about that one time that I bought a lottery ticket in Laguna Beach thinking that if I went to the rich area and bought a lottery ticket that I would win and I did So now I'm at, at Orange County. Doesn't that seem like a little backwards? I thought that I was ahead of everyone else mm, mm. you were thinking that they were trying to trick you by thinking that that wouldn't be the right place to go right. and you were gonna go there exactly gotcha yes and not that it's just a random number generator <laughs> I have no no way of predicting where and when anyway part of orange county is the santa Ana mountains and in those mountains is the santa Ana river and around the river is a black star canyon Ooh. And the canyon is a very popular spot for hikers, for mountain bikers. It's got a beautiful waterfall. I was like looking at it on Google Maps. It's just super pretty. And the canyon was originally called Canada de los Indios, hmm. which is the canyon of Indians. And it was owned by horticulturist William Wolfskill. And then it was owned by James Irvine. Wait, sorry. William, what's his last name? Wolfskill. Amazing. So cool. It reminds me of the wolf shirt. Our friend has a wolf shirt and it's like the most powerful shirt. It has magic powers. Yes. Anyone who wears the wolf shirt feels confident and they get whatever they want that day that they're in the wolf shirt. Yes. It's a yeah. I love that shirt. I wonder if it's only that shirt or if people if people could buy that same kind of shirt and still have that look. I don't know. I think she just bought a magical shirt and now she won't wash it because she's afraid that all the powers will go away. It's like the <laughs> Sisterhood of Traveling Pants. Yeah, it is. We all pass the shirt around when someone needs the <laughs> shirt. You get the shirt. But I don't know if William Wolfskill 
wore a wolf shirt. He just had a name similar to wolves. And then he eventually sold it and James Irvine took it over. So it was just like passed around a bunch. And it became part of the Cleveland National Forest in the 1880s. But right before that, August Witty or White, I don't know how to say his last name, he found coal in the area and then he founded Black Star Coal Mining Company, which is how the canyon got its current name, which is Black Star Canyon. Mm. And it was sold a few more times and was the Santa Clara mine. And then it was bought by the AT and SF Railroad. It's just like a million people have owned this canyon, which is weird. It's a canyon. It's like one person should own it. You don't want to buy a think? canyon? I feel like it's a hot commodity. I rarely see canyons on the market. <laughs> but apparently this one was passed around. Maybe because people did not like owning it. Maybe. Or maybe because it was a good mining spot. So everyone was trying to get rich. Mm. But now, today, the mining has ceased, and there are some abandoned shafts in the canyon. Ooh, we like that. So if you dare, you can go into the shafts. But what it's best known for um, is the history of the canyon and the Tongva Gabrielino people who were native to the area and whose lives have been uncovered through archaeological digs. So they mm. found a lot of, in, like, learned a lot about who these people were and how they lived from these digs in the canyon. And it's believed that the Tongva people went to the Santa Ana Mountains in the summer in search of more food. And at the time, their main food source, besides like, you know, typical hunting and and whatnot of small animals, their main food source was acorns. The people liked eating the acorns. Oh. And there were a lot of oak trees and a plethora of acorns down in Black Star Canyon. And another reason to go to Black Star Canyon for these people instead of the other canyons in the area was that the neighboring canyons had a very thriving black bear population. But mm. Black Star Canyon had fewer bears, making it much safer for the people. And so likely they only stayed in the canyon for the hotter part of the year and then they went elsewhere in the colder months. But the site of their previous settlement is now a California historical landmark. Oh, cool. In this canyon. Very cool. So life sounds pretty nice, right, mm -hmm. for the Tongva people. They're here. There's a waterfall. There's some streams and rivers and <laughs> acorns. Not many bears. Life is good. It's nice and hot. And they're basically summering in a canyon. Love it. Nice. But then <laughs> there's always got to be a but. Yeah. Life wasn't entirely peaceful for the Native American tribes here because the Tongva people conflicted with the settlers and there was a big conflict between the fur trappers and the Tongva people, which led to an armed battle in 1831. And it is the bloodiest battle that's ever happened in the history of the Santa what? Ana Mountains. And there was already tension between the native people and the settlers because the Tongva were stealing all of the Spaniards' horses for their meat, or so the story goes. Um, and so what happened was the fur trappers came into the area, got word of the Tongva people stealing all of the horses from the people and decided to be the ones to go down and try to get the horses back from the Tongva people. Mm. So the men make their way through the winding mountains and along the river and they end up in the canyon and they spot the horses and they spot the Indian settlement. And instead of just going and being like, hello, can you give me the horseback? They did not do that, of course. Uh, the Indians at the time had only bows and arrows and a few old Spanish muskets on them, but the fur trappers were very properly armed. They had modern guns at the time, and obviously they won the battle. 
or I don't even know if you can call it a battle. To me, it sounds like an ambush. But basically, they went down and they attacked all of the Tongva people. All of the Tongva, well, not all, but most of the Tongva people were killed in this battle. Some escaped into the woods, but they've disappeared. Like, they don't know where those people went. But not a single fur trapper was killed, and all of the horses were returned to their owner. So it was such a tragic day for the Native people. And also, were were the horses actually stolen, or is that just an excuse to go attack them? Well, that's what I said. That's why I was like, or so they say, that they're, you know, taking the horses for the meat. (sighs) Who knows? It's... That's the thing about history. How much can you trust of it? Because it's written by certain people. Yeah, they write it. They write the narrative to, to make message. them look better. Yeah, exactly. But this was not the last murder to take place in the canyon. In 1899, James Gregg was shot dead in the canyon. It was June 8th of 1899, and James Gregg and his brother-in-law, Decatur. I don't know how to say that name. Decatur. Harris was his last name and a 13 year old boy named Clinton Hunt were in that area and they were there because they were going to deliver some stock that Greg had and Greg was and Greg and one of the owners of the ranch up there named George Howard of Anaheim. They butted heads on how much who owed who because I think they had been trading a bunch in the past and sort of had this business relationship. And they fought and they didn't come to any solution and they ended up being like, okay, let's figure it out in the morning. So they go their separate ways and they go to bed that night to to resolve all their money issues that next day. And that morning, Henry Hungerford, the other owner of the ranch, goes to the site and just shoots Craig dead. He what? shoots him with guns that were meant for bird hunting and deer hunting. And so the men flee and... So Greg and the other owner, I said Greg and Hungerford. Greg was shot oh. by Howard and Hungerford. There's so many names I'm getting mixed <laughs> up. But anyway, so Greg was the one that was shot. And so his brother-in-law and the young 13-year-old boy are there trying to get him to a doctor. But he didn't live. So he was murdered in this canyon. And this <sighs> caused a ton of drama because, believe it or not, murdering someone in that area back in the day was not so normal. Which I think is odd because I think of like, you know, well, I guess it was 1899. It wasn't that long ago. But when I think of like all the Wild West and stuff, I right. I think of a lot of a lot crime. Of, but yeah. yeah, so the this was like big news in Anaheim, big news in Orange County. And the men were convicted of murder. But then the judge overturned the conviction, stating that there wasn't enough evidence, which was a fatal move on the judge's part. He didn't die or anything. He just didn't get reelected. <laughs> He lost his job. But the canyon is no stranger to tragedy. Stuff happens all the time. And there have been many more deaths. People have gone missing. They've injured themselves. There have been wild fl- wildfires. There have been more than one helicopter crash. What? One of which crashed and killed two people. And the other was shot down by a local ranch hand who I assume is in jail. Because he didn't just shoot any helicopter. He shot down a military helicopter. So freaking idiot yeah, that's crazy what yeah why would that just seem stupid so stupid and then there's been a ton of other things so i'm going to tell you a few of the things so back in 1939 there were two la businessmen who were on the run after thieving they 
it was grand theft and they were like, let's get out of here. But they were now like on on the lamb and like people were after them and they were clearly bankrupt and they decided to make a suicide pact with each other. And so they drank rat poison and they rigged their car to have the exhaust go into their car. So trying to pass Whoa. away from carbon monoxide poisoning. How do you – oh, my gosh. I just didn't even think – I would never have thought of that, to rig the car to make the exhaust go the wrong way. I don't know how to do it, well, but people – Right. But like if I were to be like, oh, how do I kill someone? That would never come across my mind. Yeah. Well, they did this to themselves. So they drank the poison. They had the gas going into their car. And it's just so awful because they ended up – they both ended up passing away in these mountains. And when their bodies were found, they were holding hands. Oh. Which is like – it's so sad. But it's also like at least they were – had each other. Yeah. And then in 2001, something else in the Canyon happened. It's hard to actually say like out loud what happened. So I'm, I wrote like as few details as I could because it's super triggering. Oh, no. But basically two teen girls were viciously assaulted by a group and their boyfriends who were with them, also teenage boys, uh, they were beaten so severely that one of them actually had a cracked skull. Ugh. And they were all left for dead. But the girls and the boys were so badass. And the two girls managed to get to a payphone to call for help. And the boys crawled half a mile to the road to flag down a car. Oh, my God. And they were all saved. And the men were caught. And two of the men were given life sentences. And the other was given 16 years. And then the other two were juveniles, which is makes me so angry. Ugh. So there's just been like a shit ton of stuff to happen in the canyon. So, of course, there are going to be some ghosts. Of course. The canyon is haunted. <laughs> is anyone surprised? Raise of hand. Show of hand. Is anyone surprised that we're talking about ghosts on podcast about ghosts? <laughs> okay. So, many people have claimed to see ghosts in this area, which attracts a ton of people who are looking for a good scare. Everyone's like, oh, let's go at night and, like, go through the canyon and see if we can see anything. And one such person who wanted a nice scare is paranormal investigator Matt Harvey. Matt started the Orange County Ghosts and Legends along with Chris August. And Chris still runs the group today. Matt has since stepped away from the group, but they still do a bunch of paranormal investigating together. Mm-hmm. But at the time, they would go together to the canyon to search for evidence of paranormal activity. And they would also kind of try to debunk some of the reports. So they kind of went in a little bit skeptically and just really wanted to look for actual evidence to use instead of just being like it must be haunted i'm so scared (laughs) so chris he describes himself as a very open-minded skeptic and so every investigation they go into they do go in with an open mind but their main focus is on collecting evidence but the only thing that they got out of going to the canyon is more ghost stories well that's good we like when skeptics are proven that ghosts are real Right, exactly. So Matt, he came into contact with a ghost known as the Miner. Mm. And the Miner is a well-known spirit in the area. And Matt said that he, when he was in the area, he spotted this shadowy figure. And the shadowy figure stepped out from the shadows and started to walk towards him. And the figure was wearing mining tools. And that's when Matt realized this isn't a person. This is the Miner. Um, And then Chris and Matt also described the odd temperature changes and the weird smells in the canyon, which is something that a lot of people have talked about. 
and they aren't really sure that it's exactly paranormal. They're not confident enough to chalk it up to being paranormal, but they say that with one step, you can go from really chilly temperatures to feeling like you're in a really hot, sunny day. So it's like these weird pockets of like extreme temperature change. And there are also really odd smells, the smell of sulfur, which could be, you know, maybe just a natural smell coming up gases from inside the canyon mm-hmm. or maybe a result of, I don't know, fire. I don't know. Or gassy but hikers. I don't know. Gassy hikers. Someone had eggs for breakfast. Now they're walking it off. Or dairy. You know, don't. dairy doesn't settle well in a lot of people's stomachs, including mine. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Probably not in Southern California where everyone's gluten-free and dairy-free and <laughs> grain-free and everything. Sure, <laughs> their gas smells great. But when I think of sulfur, I think of evil entities. Mm-hmm. And it kind of makes sense because the canyon has seen so much evil over the years that I wonder if there are these evil entities that kind of like attract all of this awful activity. Also, when reading about the odd smells, it made me think of Bigfoot. <gasps> of course. Whoa. I wondered if my boyfriend might be in the woods. Is he? <laughs> well, according to Matt, he believes that there is one or maybe many in the area because he has spotted what appears to be a Bigfoot four separate times in Black Star Canyon. And the very first time was almost 25 years ago when uh, he first started to spend time in that area. He almost immediately saw Bigfoot. Wow. And he's even brought back some evidence with him. He has – he took a cast of an 18-inch footprint. <gasps> Are there photos? From Bigfoot. Probably. I didn't look them up. I was too excited. I just kept reading and kept researching. <laughs> Um, but there was also a time when the team was exploring his the paranormal team that he and Chris are a mm-hmm. part of, and a boulder came rolling down the hill at them, possibly thrown by Bigfoot. Hmm. And then another time they heard three knocks, which is like the signature thing often associated with Big- Bigfoot, it's hearing like knocking. Hmm. And it just – like Bigfoot seems to come up like time and time again, and everyone who has encounters with this creature – says that they're i mean it's the typical like bigfoot's kind of aloof like they see it and they're scared shitless and then they don't really have any evidence right but ufos have also been spotted in the sky above the canyon of course it's the perfect place to go yes this reminds me almost of the bridgewater triangle because it's like there are ghosts there are cryptids there are ufos like everything is here wow i feel like it's nice because it's not as heavily monitored as like a, a city is and if you, you know, if it's nighttime, there aren't people hiking. You can go hang out yeah. in the canyon, do your thing, visit Bigfoot. It's, yeah. It's kind of creepy. I would never want to go without being in a big group. Right. And it being like daylight or something. Not that it keeps all of the creatures and paranormal activity away, but it just, I think, maybe lessens how scary it is when it happens. Right. If you can see, fully see your surroundings. Well, totally. I think that's with any circumstance. Like, you, yeah. you'd much rather have light than darkness. Right. So the Orange County Ghosts and Legends team, this is Matt and uh, Chris's team, mm-hmm. they have captured a bunch of EVPs in the area as well. Ooh, tell me more. You can actually listen to some recordings online, which I totally did. But they've heard Matt's name be called, and they have a, quite a few other very clear EVPs, two of which can be listened to on their website, which those that's where I went and listened. And one EVP has a man's voice that whispers over everyone else who's talking and says, 
can you see? Oh. Which I, I assume he's saying, can you see me? But he just said, can you see? And then the other EVP sounds like a group of people who are just like chattering along and like whispering while the actual investigators are like doing stuff. They don't notice it and they don't hear it. It only comes across on the tape because they're like zipping up their equipment and stuff. And then you hear all this other activity on the recording. And Matt has asked many times if the spirits want them there. And most of the spirits answer yes. But there were a few that made the team believe that maybe they weren't as welcomed as they'd like to think. Okay. There – I have so much more. Like there is so much going on in the (laughs) There are shadow people that creep around the woods and they will follow people through the canyon all the way to the exit, escorting them through and pretty much ensuring that the people leave. So I don't think people want or that the spirits really want anyone in the canyon. Hmm. And hikers will report feeling watched. They feel as though the paths change slightly every time they go. Like they'll go back and be walking on the same path and things will just seem different or it seems like it's in a, like a different spot. And people have been lost in the woods and there have been deadly accidents and people say that they never feel quite normal. You never feel quite pe- at peace in Black Star Canyon. That's unsettling. Very unsettling, which is like, why would people go? <laughs> but there was a story of a woman who went to a psychic back in 2015, and she was planning on going to the canyon. And she asked the woman, knowing that there was a lot of activity in this canyon, she asked the psychic if she should go. And the psychic said, no. The only result of you going there will be fear and sadness. Uh-huh. Do not go to the canyon. But the woman went anyway. Of course. And she disappeared. And so the story goes, she's never been heard from again. What? Yeah. Uh, okay, the psychic didn't tell her that. She said fear and sadness. She didn't say you'll never come back. Well, maybe she didn't get a whole picture. Maybe fear was what fear of the woman when she was experiencing whatever happened to her. And sadness was the sadness of everyone that was close to her who now was without her. Oh, that's so scary. So scary. But people still go back all the time. And people even go and hike at night, which I'm like, why would you do that? <laughs> Especially even like the, uh, tarantulas and snakes, rattlesnakes, uh, mountain lions, bears. Like, don't, don't oh do my. that. Don't hike at night. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, seriously. How does the actual thing go? Lions, lions and tigers and, and bears. Oh, my. Oh, my. Yeah. But when the sun sets, Hikers have reported some odd activity happening in the canyon. People will hear eerie music in the distance, and others have heard tribal drums. Some have heard hushed conversations as if a group is right near them, but there's no one there. And there have also been some chanting and some screams and some howls heard. The The screams are scary. Screams are really scary. What if it's the woman who disappeared? Oh, my God. What if it is? I wonder how long the screams – I mean, it, also, it could be the tongue of a people. Right. That's you know, true. They were, so like, much, viciously attacked. There's so much has happened there. So much has happened. So there's just such bad juju and no one should go there alone. Um, people have also reported seeing apparitions of Native Americans – which they presume that these Native American spirits are still there looking for revenge on the battle that killed so many of their people. Mm -hmm. 
And others have seen ghosts of Spanish conquistadors riding through the canyon. Mm. So maybe it's just the people that used to live there still have never moved. Or is even it in the a afterlife. glitch in the matrix and these parallel universes are continuously happening and that's what we're seeing? It's, we'll never have the answers, <laughs> which is why I love this topic so much. Oh, speaking of. What? Okay, remember when I did – episode and i was talking about like the ufos it was the aliens episode our most recent one and i was talking about like the navy ship and the ufos and all this stuff last week on the news i was like why couldn't this have happened before i recorded last week on the news there all of these i watched two different news shows with my mom while i was home and both of them were covering ufos and the navy and the navy coming out and saying like yeah we see stuff all the time and we don't know what it is. Right. And like releasing all of these videos. Well, that, well, also it came the week of Tom DeLonge's History Channel show that came out on Friday. So it's like all happening leading up to when it started. Like everyone is finally like, this is real. We're going to talk about it. Yeah. Thank God. And all the people who have ever given me a hard time about like, oh, you believe in aliens? Which I I just think that's so strange that you would ever think that you could pop – like there's no chance of anyone – anything else but i want all those people to to watch those news segments and learn about this and be like oh i guess i'm not the only thing i guess i'm not special because we're not we're not and we already know that aliens exist because they found evidence that single-celled organisms used to live on mars so you can't say that there's not something else we've already found something else in our own solar system yep Anyway. Back to Black Star Canyon. I'm heated. (laughs) Okay. There's also been a lady in white who has been spotted. And some people believe that it's – or she's a La Llorona. Ooh. Because the legend goes a woman from Mexico murdered her own children and then took her own life and is now wandering the canyon in a white dress looking for her children. Interesting. So I didn't realize that there were multiple La Lloronas. Oh, yeah. I think it's kind of like the result. Maybe we should do an episode on it. Right. And just do but a bunch of different I think ones. it's the result of like a spirit that kind of takes the form of La Llorona mm. based on the way that they pass. Okay. Interesting. It's targeting children. children. Yeah. Yes. Wait, isn't there a movie coming out? It did. It was a Warner Brothers movie. It came out. I haven't. I didn't see it, but apparently it, it came out. I don't know anything else about it. Okay, well, maybe I'll watch it and let give everyone my movie critic report after. <laughs> Looking okay. forward to it. So the woods are also said to house or have housed some cult activity, which I'm like, that's not enough information. <laughs> what kind of cult? <laughs> there are many different kinds. I want to know. Like, is it a cult where they sacrifice squirrels? That's not a cult I want to be in. No. Or is it a cult where they worship Bigfoot? I might join that cult. <laughs> What kind of cult? You can't just say a cult. Right. Anyway, they think that there was some cult activity there as well as some um, Satanism worshipping whole satanic panic sort Mm -hmm. of thing. And then there were rumors of the KKK being in the woods as well. So just a lot of stuff going on. So if you're still like, okay, I'm still interested. I want to go to this canyon or, oh, I've been to this canyon. Nothing's ever happened to me. Let me just tell you a few things. Before you leave the canyon, there's some good advice. 
that you should actually try to clear yourself of any lingering spirits. Just say out loud, like, you cannot come home with me. I am cleared of any attached spirits. I will be going home with just me. (laughs) You may not exit this point with me. Because those who don't, some of them have brought some of the Black Star Canyon ghosts home with them. And these ghosts really show their presence. They will, like, fling cabinets open and do all this activity until they're pretty much brought back to the canyon. Wow. Don't take any canyon ghosts home with you. Yeah. But here is an experience that I think is the scariest thing. And this happened to a guy named Jason Dalton. And maybe this will deter you from spending some time in the canyon after hours. There is a bus down in a ditch in the canyon that acts as both a landmark and also a destination for people who are, like, going to the canyon and wanting to get spooked at night. They're like, oh, let's go find the bus. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what Jason Dalton and his friends set out to find. They were like, let's go. Let's get scared. Let's find the bus. And no one knows exactly how the bus got there. But the story goes that in 1970, a school bus was run off of the road and it fell into the canyon. And all of the children on board passed away in the accident. <gasps> oh, no. What? So awful. I know. And it's just like the bones of the bus have just been there ever since. No one's moved it. And people who get close to the bus often report seeing ghosts of children, apparitions of children, desperately trying to escape from the bus. So, of course, Jason and his two friends, they're college-age guys, uh, they end up making a plan to go to Boxstar Canyon at night to get themselves spooked. And it was around Halloween time. So they're like, let's go at night. This is spooky season. We need something to do. We don't really believe in any of this stuff. We're just really going to like spook each other and like throw rocks at each other and find the old school bus and call it a night. Mm-hmm. So they park at the gate and then they walk on foot down to the marked path and they have their flashlights in hand. And they're just going deeper and deeper into the canyon, and it's getting colder and colder, but almost unusually so. Because, of course, canyons get colder, and if you go deeper into the woods, like, temperature change is natural. Right. But this was, like, extreme temperature change. And they keep walking to the bus and don't turn around despite this frigid air now and being able to see their own breath. And when they finally get to the bus, they just stand there. And they have their flashlights pointed at the bus mm-hmm. and they're just staring at the bus. And nothing happens. And they're like, okay, this is kind of creepy. We're we're sufficiently spooked. Let's leave now. So they turn to walk back to their car. And at this point, they're far enough away from the bus that they can't hardly see it. They can kind of make out the outline, but it's like, it's dark. Mm-hmm. It's at night. And so unless they have the flashlight directly at the bus, like it's kind of out of sight. They're not really paying attention to it. And that's when they start to hear something. They hear moaning. Mm-mm. And it sounds like a struggle, like a, a a difficult moan getting out, like someone's in pain, like someone's gasping for air. Oh. And not just any moaning. It also sounds like it's coming from a child, like no. a child's voice is creating this noise. And so now these college-age kids are like, okay. This is a little creepy. We're kind of spooked, but like, let's just hurry on back to the car and not really acknowledge what's going on around okay, us. Okay, I have one question though, because it, I understand that there's that backstory with it, but if you heard a young child in pain or needing of help, wouldn't you try to investigate and see what, what if it's a real child? Well, maybe not after this. Okay. Because okay. next, 
the light comes from behind them and it starts to blink and it's coming from the direction of the bus. So this long abandoned bus, the bus that has only just been pretty much a skeleton of what was once a full functioning vehicle, was now blinking its non-functioning headlights at them. What? Yes. So Jason and his two friends are like, let's pick up the pace. But Jason suddenly freezes in his tracks and he is just like almost mesmerized. He's like in this sort of trance of watching the bus like flashing and his his friends are yelling for him to follow them and to stop standing there. But he described it as if his entire body was just fighting him to leave. Um. And yet he something in his body also pulled him towards the flashing light. So he was so conflicted. He was like, my fight or flight, like the flight was kicking in. He really wanted to run. But something just kept him standing there. Mm. It was like, I, I don't even know what it is. It was a moth to a flame. <laughs> he just, he was in a trance. Oh my God. And his friends are yelling at him. And finally, he's able to stop staring at these flashing lights and start to move his feet. And he moves in the direction of the car to catch up with his friends. And they were close at this point. They were only about halfway from their car from where they had been at the bus. So they're ha- at the halfway point mm-hmm. and they're making some distance from the bus. And then Jason notices that there's someone else in the woods. No. Someone who's coming in the same direction as him, almost as if the someone was following them. But it's also the trail that leads out to where the cars are in the gate. So it could have just been someone else in the woods. And the person looked to be male, but all Jason could really make out was the silhouette because it was really dark, so we couldn't really see anything else except for the basic shape. But the man was far away, and Jason was like, ah, it's just probably someone out for a jog or something. So he doesn't say anything to his friends, and he's like a few feet behind his friends anyway, and they're all pretty silent and just focused on getting out of the frickin' canyon at this point. And they're freaked out, so they're all like walking swiftly in silence, and Jason just keeps an eye on this figure but doesn't say anything to his friends still. And the person's like kind of closing the gap between them. This person is gaining distance on them. And the space between them is growing narrower and no. narrower every step they take. But they're so close to the car at this point. So Jason didn't panic because he can pretty much see the car. Okay. And then they get to the car and Jason's two friends hop in the car immediately and close the doors. And Jason looks back once more to see where the man was. And the man was now only a short distance standing at the gate just yards from their car. And so Jason is like, man, maybe this guy needs help or something. So he takes a few steps away from the car towards the man to ask him if he needs anything before they just abandon this stranger in a dark canyon in the freezing night. And as he steps and says like, hey, are you okay? Do you need anything? He points his flashlight at the man's direction and when jason oh i'm scared when jason's flashlight reached the man's face he realized he needed to run because this man was him (gasps) no hair same face same clothes The man was just slightly taller and sickly looking. And the man is staring at him. So Jason just turns and runs for the car. And he told his friends, like, just start driving. And so once they get far enough away, Jason tells them what happened. But even as they're going further and further away from the canyon, Jason just, like, still doesn't feel safe. He feels like something's very off. And he said something about the way the man looked was slightly off, too. Like, he was identical 
in almost every way, but there was just something unnerving about this man. And he had met his doppelganger in the canyon. And then to make matters worse, this doppelganger might not just be in the canyon because sometime later he got a Facebook message from his ex and she asked him why he had been in her town the night before and he had not been in that oh my town. God. So it seems like his doppelganger was spending time in the same spots that he had been possibly hoping for another run in. Um, I hate that more than anything ever. Isn't that is it the scariest? And, okay, I have theories. One, it reminds me of Us, the movie. And two, mm-hmm. it make, makes me wonder if, like, because he was the one who got mesmerized by the bus light. I wonder if the bus does that so that it can, like, copy the person, you know? Like, it, it like. Oh, almost like a, like a doppelganger copy machine? <laughs> yeah, basically. Yes. Let's uh, copyright that. But yeah, like it, because like he was the one who got mesmerized and he's the one who saw his doppelganger. Like it's almost like the bus put it out. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Or do you think the doppelganger just could manipulate the bus itself to distract the person enough to gain some distance on them? Yeah. I don't know. And then there's the moaning kid. Like, mm-hmm. is it the doppelganger? Because I understand your initial desire to be like, oh, if I'm hearing. moaning kid like there might be someone that's injured it's a hiking spot like people get injured all the time and go get you know go missing or just get turned around and separated from their group but it was immediately followed by the blinking lights so Mm. i think that they're pretty damn sure it was paranormal scary i also okay i just imagine this like doppelganger guy you put the flashlight flashlight up to his eyes and he all of a sudden starts to come sprinting at you really fast which he probably would have done uh, had he not gotten in the car yeah i know but like i totally get that part of him too that was like okay now this guy's just at the gate and we're all getting in the car maybe he thought his window was like lost from you know asking for directions or to borrow someone's phone or something yeah but like you're not that far away if this guy's able to walk he could probably signal or talk to these boys and be like that's hey, true like help. hey hey yeah sorry my phone is dead someone in silence is standing somewhere looking at you that is a creep and that's when you need to gtfo yeah that's the thing it's the silence there's nothing scarier than dead air all right let's go to disneyland let's go i got a little carried away because Disneyland is so fascinating and I started doing all the research and stuff and I was like I didn't know any of this and so now I need to share it with everyone so okay down so I got carried away anyway so we all know who Walt Disney is his name was actually Walter Elias Disney and he was born on December 5th 1901 and he is and always will be the pioneer of American animation and he it's proven like you can try to refute me but there's no way to because he has won 22 oscars and no one else has like he is he has the record for that many oscars or for the amount of oscars anyone has so dang try to prove me wrong you can't (laughs) disney walt are you trying to fight someone right now kind of awfully feisty it's because i'm passionate you know i get it Walt moved to California in the early 1920s, and he set up the Disney Brothers studio with his brother. And Roy is his older brother, and the two of them were so close that they even built their homes right next to each other in Los Feliz in Los Angeles. And Roy handled all the business side of things, and then Walt handled the creative side. 
And so Walt developed Mickey Mouse in 1928 and then Snow White and the Seven Dwarves in 1937, Pinocchio and Fantasia both in 1940, Dumbo in 1941, Bambi in 1942, Cinderella in 1950, Mary Poppins in 1964. He's a genius. Isn't that – it's insane that it's just like banger after banger. You know, like so many singers hope that they can just produce hit songs one after the other. So many actors hope that they're in like – hit blockbusters one after the other and he did that every single movie he produced was like just had a cult following and not even a cult it was the whole world was obsessed and still are and i think that's the miracle and magic of disney is that we're literally remaking all of them right now but even like even snow white which is from 1937 i was watching in 1994 when i was a baby when i was a kid when i was a young kid like that is that is ages after and it still held up and it was still oh, like it's such a prominent icon oh, yeah. in everyone's life. What was your favorite? Mine was Belle because she read books and was smart. Oh, that's nice. Mine was Ariel. Oh, I like her too. She got legs. I loved it. But my favorite movie was Fox and the Hound. Oh, I do like the Fox and the Hound. So, okay. Then all of a sudden, Walt died from circulatory collapse caused by lung cancer in 1966, which is two years after Mary Poppins came out. And Roy, who was going to retire, postponed his retirement so that he could help oversee the Disney World construction and make sure that it was completed in the way that Walt wanted it to be. And I'll get to the haunting soon, but uh, I still enjoy the history and I'm going to force you to listen, even though... Everyone technically could skip forward 30 seconds, but please don't. (laughs) So somewhere in the 1930s, Walt took his two daughters named Diane and Sharon to Griffith Park in Los Angeles. And if you're familiar with it, there's it looks the exact same as it did in the 1930s. There's this small. And if you're in the area, you should 100% do the haunted hayride in October. Yes, I have not done it, but I've heard it's fun. There's a small merry-go-round in the park and it's tucked into a quiet corner of the park and He's there with his two daughters and Diane and Sharon see the carousel and they're like, we want to go on it. And Walt agrees and he sends them on their way and they get on the magical horses as they ride around in a circle. And Walt stands back and he's watching his daughters and he's like, wow, they look so happy. And then he has this idea. He's like, what if there was a place that both kids and adults could enjoy rides together and have fun together? And so this is the seed being planted of what is mm-hmm. then to become Disneyland. And it takes a few years to actually grow into something more than just an idea. And Walt starts visiting all these other parks, trying to figure out what he would do differently. So he goes to Benton Harbor, Michigan's House of David's Eden Springs Park, which is a lot of words to, to name a park. That is, that's too many. Yeah. And then in 1948, he drafted up plans for this park called Mickey Mouse Park. It kind of basically it all like culminated in this time where people started sending him letters. They're like, we want to see the Disney Studios. And he was like, well, that sounds kind of boring because it's just a big lot with a bunch of sound stages and it's nothing really or fun for people to see. So he's like, well, okay, what if I open this park right next to the studios so that people can come and have a whole experience? And so they found a plot of land, but it was only eight acres. And they were like, well, that's too small. Like all these other parks are already bigger than that. We need more land. He wants a bigger park. And so he bought (laughs) 160 acres of land in Anaheim, California. That's a big difference. Big difference. 
And after many other details, like acquiring $17 million, doing all the construction and building, like literally Anaheim added two more lanes on each side of the highways in anticipation for the opening of this park because they're like Holy traffic is going to be insane. So, Well, they they need it. Right. Totally. And so Disneyland finally opened on July 17th, 1955. And then there were a bunch of like, you know, when anything's new, there are a bunch of little bumps in the road. Like there's this fun example of like basically on opening weekend, they had just poured the uh, asphalt and these women would come in with high heels and their heels would get stuck in the asphalt. <laughs> but Oh, man. But, um, you know, now it's the happiest place on earth. And there are many, many ghosts because there are many, I don't know, it's the place to be a ghost, I guess. Like, why wouldn't you want to be there? And also, unfortunately, there have been a lot of incidents and deaths on the property as comes with many or having a working in a place that has a lot of dangerous equipment. Right. So we'll start with Walt Disney himself. It was his pride and joy, Disneyland specifically. He loved it so much that he had an apartment over the fire station on Main Street. And Walt was a very secretive man, and even today there are legends about him, the first being that he was requested to be frozen upon his death, which I feel like everyone has heard this. And Yeah, and that his brain, his was it hint? I've heard two things. Okay. I guess. I've heard that he himself had his entire body frozen, and then I've also heard that he just had his brain frozen to be put into a new body to oh, live out. I haven't heard that one. Again. Well, interesting because it has to be one or the other, right? Because you can't bring your body back without the brain, and then I don't know. Anyway, I mean, I guess they could reinsert it. But yeah, no one really knows if it's true or not. But the idea is that he cryogenically froze his body in wait for technology that could bring him back and they have there are these rumors that his frozen body is actually underneath the pirates of the caribbean ride and that's <laughs> further kind of reinforced by the fact that people have seen walt ghosts up in the pirates of the caribbean ride with his wife who had who also passed away and he like they go on dates together ghostly dates in that that ride. is the cutest thing i've ever heard isn't it really cute that's so amazing. Yeah. His ghost is seen all over the park, which kind of brought up a question for me because is he there because he loves it or is he waiting around his body in case like it can be brought – he can be brought back and he's like, oh, when it gets brought back, I can go slip back into my body. But then it also makes me wonder if a spirit can actually do that. Like once you're dead and your spirit separates from your body, could you ever go back into a body? Yeah, that's near-death experiences. Yeah, but if your body's dead for that long – I don't know. Remember that guy that was dead for like – a long ass time. That's not very specific. I forget how long. I covered him though. <laughs> I was going to say, I, wish I, remembered I don't things. know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just, I think it's possible. Well, we'll see. Disney, Walt Disney, he'll be the first. But, um, but it also, okay. So maybe I haven't, I try to look up like all the information about Cairo sleep and chirogenics and it's kind of complicated, mm -hmm. but the idea of cryosleep specifically is that a body is put into this chamber and cooled down to negative 200 degrees Celsius or negative 328 degrees Fahrenheit and preserved in liquid liquid nitrogen until they're woken up again, but it's like over a long span of time. But to my understanding, when you're put into cryosleep, you're still alive. Like it's not like a dead body being put into it. 
Oh. Like, I think it's a person put to deep sleep until they're ready to wake up. Like, if the end of the world were to come and they need to send people up into space over to another planet, but it's 600 years away, they put people into cryo sleep so that when they get there, they are still... Are you talking about the Jennifer Lawrence and Christopher Pratt movie? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like that's the idea. It doesn't exist. Like, the technology to be able to do that doesn't exist yet. Right. But... I mean, I don't know, Walt. I, I just wonder if it was a waste of money. But I guess he has all the money in the world, so why not? Yeah, and he's still enjoying his park to this day. So he built himself exactly the perfect place to spend his afterlife. Right. But also, if he does come back, does that make him a zombie? <gasps> I don't know. And then who else will come back? <gasps> I don't I don't know. I don't think you should cheat the system. I think you just have to do what you do. Be dead when you're dead? Yeah. Die when you die. Just die already. <laughs> Uh, but his okay regardless of w what he's doing or where his body is people say you can feel walt's presence when you walk into the park it's a magical place but there's something specifically about this park because it was his first project it was where he lived it's where he still resides today it's kind of like his baby so the feeling like when you walk under the park it has that magical feeling but it's because walt is present like there's something special mm. about it and mm -hmm. when you first enter the park you can see walt's old apartment it is above the fire station and you'll notice a light in the window and it is never turned off as a tribute to walt symbolizing that his light shall never fade that he is present through the legacy he left behind and so before the tradition of keeping the light on happened there was this cast member who went to go turn the light off at the end of the night and it went dark and all of a sudden she hears a man say I am still here. <gasps> Which means that Walt was still working in his apartment. I am still here. And then another time, there was a woman in the cleaning department who went upstairs to clean the apartment and turn the light off. And so she does. When she's done, she turns the light off and she starts to walk out. And she goes downstairs and she gets outside and she looks back up to the apartment window and the light is back on. And she's like, am I going crazy? I swear I turned this off. So she goes back upstairs and turns it off again. And this time she stands there and she waits just to make sure. And sure enough, the light turns back on by itself. Oh, my God. And so no one has tried to turn the light off since. It has been left on for Walt. And also cast members report hearing footsteps and knocking coming from the apartment, especially at night. I wonder if his wife is there with him. If she like goes on date nights with him. Maybe. Do you think she's also hanging out in the office? It's possible. Unless he never let her into that apartment office in life. Yeah, but if I were in spirit form, I'd be like, screw you. I can walk through walls now. So <laughs> I'm going where I want to go. I'm going to peep on you now. <laughs> the cast members are more often than not the ones seeing and interacting with the spirits at the park. Female employees have reported feeling physically touched as, and someone will not physically touch in an incorrect way, but like in the way like someone will pull the ribbons out of their hair, which makes me think that if it's Disney, if it's Walt himself, he doesn't like the bows. I don't know. Or there's a ghost. But he puts the bows. It's like, I, I mean, think about all of the Disney characters. All of the, all of the princesses had right. They tied their hair up with ribbon. Maybe they're tied incorrectly, and he's like, "Well, if you can't tie it correctly, you can't wear it at all. You don't get to wear it at all." <laughs> um, other people have seen props move from one side of the room to the other on their own. People say that the haunted mansion is one of the scariest places, and it's so creepy that employees try to avoid going inside as much as possible. Drag your wretched body mm. into the dead center of the room. <laughs> that was really good. Thank you. 
Also, doing this research made me want to go back to Disneyland so bad. I love Disney during Halloween time. I've never gone. Oh, you haven't? That's like the only time I go. Because I am not – I don't do rides. Oh, I love rides. I'm not a ride person. What are we going to do when we go scared. to Universal? So yeah, Haunted Mansion is so creepy. The exterior of the Haunted Mansion was completed in 1963, but it didn't open until 1969, and apparently it's for two different reasons. The first is that Walt apparently did not like the proposal of what the interior was going to look like, because if you're familiar, as Corinne, I know you are, but the Haunted Mansion exterior is pretty spooky looking. It looks a little dilapidated and, you know, haunting. And then they wanted mm-hmm. to make the inside look as run down as the outside did, like as if someone hadn't lived there for ages and it's been taken over by the ghosts. And Walt was like, no, 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 I don't want it to look like that. I want it I want it to look scary, but I want like we'll take care of the outside and the ghosts will take care of the inside. Oh, my God. So he invited the ghosts to go make it spooky. He basically said, do your worst. Ugh. So it's like probably real actually haunted beyond just what they've set up well it is and i'll tell you by who the second reason that the attraction didn't open until 1969 is related to a death within the mansion so apparently when disney invited people to test the ride before it opened the ride was so scary that a woman on the test ride had a heart attack and died and so because of that disney decided to push back the opening of the ride but also people have seen a woman roaming the haunted mansion oh my god Mm -hmm. would you even know if it was a real ghost instead of just what they've already set up i don't know i mean i'm sure that the employees would know because they've been in there enough because they're like oh there's not a projection over there yeah Ooh. another event that happened prior to the opening of the ride and i don't know if this is before or after the woman's death but basically one of the sound designers was in the seance room and he heard music coming from behind a wall and he's like That's weird, but, like, maybe someone else is playing the radio. But, like, he would ask other people and no one was listening to the radio. And he'd kind of, like, peek around to try and find someone and no one was there. He couldn't find the source of the music. And another weird thing is that the radio has commercials and there are breaks and talking. But whatever was playing, it was just music. There were no breaks. And he was like, this is so weird. And he kept hearing it and hearing it and hearing it. And so finally, he decides to put his own speaker in front of the spot where the music was coming from and drown it out. So he played his own music. Aww. But it makes me wonder if there's... The ghost was just trying to give him a little company, give him a little music to work to. I know, but I wonder now if there's still phantom music, like if someone just wants to play music in the ride. How interesting. Apparently, the spell book inside the seance room is real. It's a real book. And it's a real spell book that has been used and it has like people believe that there's something attached to it because probably yes, because when cast members open the attraction every morning, they find the book in different places, like all over the no place. No freaking way. Yeah. And it's not where they left that it. That is so scary. I wonder if the woman wandering around was the owner of the spell book. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's the hard thing. You don't know. Like it could be there are so many spirits. Mm hmm. Less ghost-related but more creepy is that the eyes of the statues and busts follow you wherever you go, but they were made to be that way because they're, like, concave. And then if you look at the grandfather clock when you're on the ride, it strikes 13, and then a shadow of a claw will slowly reach for you. And there's a real bullet in the Haunted Mansion. So near the end of the ballroom scene, there are these two portraits that are shooting at each other, and several years ago, someone decided to actually shoot a bullet through the glass. And they were like, okay, we'll leave it. What the heck? 
so many details for such like a a dark ride you know? know it's mostly in darkness you and it's so quick you don't catch all the details but there's still so many so many and all over the disney parks they have the hidden mickeys which are mm-hmm. the ears and they're just hidden all over there's a bunch in the haunted mansion ride as well so cool. this is kind of a creepy also weird fact about disney is that people like to to scatter their family members ashes in the park that's gross it's very popular it's very strange, and the park doesn't allow it, but obviously, and apparently... Yeah, I would hope not. Right, but apparently it's so easy. I mean, it. I mean, you could put ashes in anything and sneak it in, right? But like, and so people do it. There's this woman who one day came to Disneyland with her young son's ashes, which is sad and unfortunate that she lost her son, and she wanted to scatter his ashes in the Haunted Mansion, which also is kind of like the worst place to scatter a young child's ashes and apparently her son thought so too because there is a small boy being reported at the haunted mansion by the exit crying trying to leave the ride oh no oh my god the poor boy i know there was also a different so sad there was there was another report that it was outside by the exit of the park but i i feel like that could be a different ghost and this one is i understand her intention like I'm going to leave him in Disney. It's the happiest place on earth. He's always going to be surrounded by someone. He's never going to be lonely, but he's separated from her. So now, right. now he's just always going to be like, well, where's my mom? And in a haunted mansion. Like, I feel yeah. like that's the scariest place to be. Why not? Also, I feel like that'd be, I guess it's not that hard if you just pour them. I was thinking like, if I ever had to do ashes, scatter ashes, wouldn't you do like Pirates of the Caribbean or something where you could just kind of like, whoop, it's in the water. Well, people do that as well. There's actually a um, – there's this, like, air filter system all over Disney that is meant to pick up ultra-fine dust particles. And there's a custodian who works at the park who says that the Haunted Mansion and the Pirates of the Caribbean probably have more human ashes in them than anywhere else in the world. And he's like, it's Ew, not funny. That's so gross. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. People, find somewhere else to, to have your ashes scattered. And don't put that on one of your family members. Yeah, that's weird. To do something illegal. Another ghost that's haunting the Haunted Mansion is a ghost that could be could actually predate the park's opening. So there in ni- the 1940s, a small plane crashed in Anaheim, and they believe it took place on the same spot that now the Haunted Mansion stands. And every now and then, people see a man with a cane walking around the house and at the loading dock, and they believe it to be the pilot. And then, okay, so another ride, Space Mountain, has a ghost, and he is called Mr. One Way, and he was given this name because he continuously rides Space Mountain. He appears as a red-haired man who will board any car with a single passenger, and just as the ride begins, people will begin screaming and having fun, and all of a sudden, this man disappears. And just like that, you're sitting next to someone, and then you're not. Holy crap. I wonder if anyone's ever tried to, like, make conversation with him. There was one story. Like, oh, I'm really nervous. And then he's like, oh, don't worry. It's not that scary. Yeah. I mean, there was one story of a person who like sat down the guy, like they said hi. And then the guy didn't realize that the guy was gone until they pulled back up into the station. He was like, what? Where the fuck did he go? So wild. Yeah. But he's not the only ghost in Space Mountain because there's another ghost who has been dubbed Disco Debbie because she's seen as like a green flying orb all over the ride. It was an employee, and she died of a brain aneurysm backstage at Space Mountain and still haunts the ride, which is so scary. A brain aneurysm is, like, horrifying. 
We've talked about that. That's like the scariest way to die. Yeah. Because there's nothing you yeah, can do. It is. And you don't know when it's going to happen. Right. It's so awful. Okay. So you kind of have to talk about the deaths in order to talk about the ghosts or more of the ghosts. And so the first recorded death at Disneyland occurred in May 1964 when a 15-year-old boy from Long Beach, California was injured after he stood up on the Matterhorn bobsleds and fell out. And it was reported that his restraint was undone by his ride companion. And then he died three days later as a result to those injuries. So sad. And then the monorail is haunted by the ghost of a 19-year-old man who on grad night on June 8th of 1966 attempted to sneak into the park by climbing onto the monorail track. And then a security officer starts shouting and running after him and is like telling him to get off. And the guy ignores him. And then all of a sudden... This 19-year-old boy was struck by the train and was dragged for 30 to 40 feet down the track. Oh, what an awful death. Oh, it's horrible. And the security guard, this is kind of gruesome, said he had to hose the kid off of the underside of the track. Ew, ew, ew. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But this young boy's ghost is often seen running alongside the monorail, which makes me wonder if it's a residual haunting because it's happening often. I don't know. I know. In 1984, a 48-year-old woman from Fremont, California, was killed and decapitated when she was thrown from a Matterhorn bobsled and struck the next oncoming bobsled. So she – apparently she unbuckled herself to assist a child that was sitting in the front – in a seat in front of her by herself. And so when she stood up, it was right before the dip. And she basically hit her head on the bridge and fell onto the other track. And the next sled came along and ran her over. Oh, my gosh. Ugh. Yeah. And Rides are scary. I know. Well, you're not going to be doing any of that stuff where you're – like, they, they get scary when you're not on it properly. Like, if you're unbuckling yourself and moving around or not keeping your hands and arms inside the vehicle. True. But so many of the cast members see and hear her when the ride shuts down, and they now refer to the spot where she was killed as Dolly's Drop. And then this almost reminds me of Everest because it's like the people who die in Disney also get n- almost things named after them, and they they're forever known. Right, their names. Right, yeah. Okay, there's also a ghost on the People Mover that likes to flirt with women with blonde hair. Why? What's wrong with brunettes? <laughs> well (laughs) i don't know everyone has their taste i guess yeah but so the people mover is now technically tomorrowland there are two deaths that took place on the people mover so it's not really clear which one it is or maybe it's both and they are now hitting on women in the afterlife i don't know so the first one happened in august of 1967 and a 16 year old boy from hawthorne california was killed while jumping between two people mover cars And he stumbled and fell onto the track where an oncoming train crushed him beneath its wheels and dragged his body. So horrible. And it was – yeah, the attraction had only been open for a month. So that's one one boy it could be. But then the other one is on June 7, 1980. An 18-year-old guest was crushed and killed by the people mover while he too was jumping between moving cars. Hmm. And I mean, yeah, like it's horrible and tragic, but don't – it's like – you know, don't do these things. Yeah, don't do that. You're, it's not going to end well. Okay. And then this story is a little bit more heartbreaking. And so, okay. On June 20th of 1973, an 18-year-old New York resident and his 10-year-old brother were staying on Tom Island's, Tom Sawyer's Island past closing time because they were like, let's stay in the park past the time it closes. Like, let's spend the night in Disneyland. Mm-hmm. 
So they're on Tom Sawyer's Island and then they're there for a little while and it's, you know, it's getting dark. There's not much to do and there's no way to get back over to the main area of the park. And so younger brother really wants to get off. And so the older brother's like, okay, we can swim across the other side. But the only issue is that the younger brother did not know how to swim. And so the 18-year-old attempts to carry his younger brother on his back all the way across, but only makes it to halfway when he starts to drown. And then the younger brother starts screaming and employees find him a short time later and he had survived. The younger brother had survived by doggy paddling, but unfortunately the they found the older brother's body the next morning. He had drowned. Oh my God. I know. And also how were they, where were their parents? I don't know. I mean, he's 18 years old. How were they not reported missing in the whole entire place shut down? Yeah, but it could have just been like find them. him and his brother by themselves. You know, he's 18. I guess, yeah. And and cast members have seen a ghost rippling the water and they believe it to be the older brother trying to swim across. But maybe it could be someone else because they've also – there's two reasons why. They've seen a boy matching the older brother's description all over the park, like wandering around, which is a good thing that he's not, you know – Trapped in the water. There's actually another death that happened in the park or in the rivers, which happened on June 4th, 1983 – where an 18-year-old boy from Albuquerque, New Mexico, drowned in the rivers of America while trying to pilot a rubber emergency boat from Tom Sawyer's Island that he and a friend stole from a restricted area of the island during Disneyland's annual grad night. Both of the individuals were intoxicated at the time of the event, but only one of them died. How horrible. Every every death is horrible here because it's always going to be something tragic. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's, you know, it's the happiest place on earth. And yet I have to tell you, in order to tell you the ghost stories, I have to tell you the dark, hor- horrible deaths. Right. I know. Deborah Stone was hired as an, a ride operator two weeks after the Carousel of Progress became the American Sings attraction in 1974. And unfortunately, she was 18 years old and she was killed when she became trapped between the attraction's rotating stages. Like they they smushed her basically. Oh, sick and she was yeah it it was unclear how it happened or why it happened following her death cast members have said they hear they hear stone reminding them to be careful throughout the ride oh at least she's you know looking out for others okay and now time for the creepiest place of all on disney okay it's a small world after all Okay, that is by far the creepiest. But also these big blinking eyes and very robotic movements just being sung at by all these little robots that are about to come to life and kill you. It's the most obvious choice for a place that would be haunted. It has tiny animatronic dolls that sing. Of course it's haunted. It's so scary. But it's not as scary. It's not as scary as you think. It actually is a little bit more endearing. Yes, dolls can be creepy and dolls that sing when they're shut off, it's also creepy. But... It is believed that many cast members who have worked on It's a Small World love the ride so much that after they pass away, they come back to Disneyland and come back to haunt It's a Small World just because they loved it so much. Wow. So when (laughs) current employees shut the ride down, it doesn't actually ever turn off because the cast members who passed away kind of reopen the ride and, and give it or come back to life kind of thing. And cast members who will turn it off will then walk the ride just to make sure everything's shut down and no one's in there. And they will hear faint singing or the lights will turn on and off on their own. And the dolls will start to move and dance on their own. 
Oh my God. <laughs> but I like to think that it's the cast members who loved it so much who like were like, okay, well, how do we be a part of this? How do we be part of this small world? Like an after hour show, like they turn right. the or, it's the cast members or turning are them they on. Using the dolls as vessels and like are they in it all the time and they use it so that they can talk to each other. And then like after hours they they talk to each other. And that's why they open their eyes oh and blink God. and do creepy things. It's so creepy. And one time, you know how like the the rides break down all the time and you're just like stuck on a ride for like yes. 10 minutes before they get it up and going. Oh, got stuck on It's a Small oh World gosh. one time. If you ever want to know what it feels like to start becoming insane, just stand in It's a Small World for Or sit anywhere minutes. and play that song over and over for 20 minutes. It's a small world. Yeah. Um, oh my God, I was going crazy. So not as haunted as it seems, just creepiest because of the dolls and the circumstances within. Mm-hmm. There are so many places that are haunted. Okay. So basically the there's a stock room uh, that is supposedly haunted and there are stories of merchandise being rearranged on the shelves after the shop is locked up. There's an ice cream cart that is supposedly haunted and people have reported hearing a woman's voice there when no one's around. But maybe, similar to Black Star Canyon, there is a lady in white, but this lady in white is very different from uh, La Llorona. She actually helps young children. She appears on Main Street wearing a white 19th century gown And it's said that she will guide children to the baby care center or help services who are lost and reunite them with their parents. And so when the parents like hug them and bring them in, they're like, what happened? Like, how did you find us? They'll always say, the lady in white helped me find you. Oh, my gosh. See, I want to be a lady in white. But a good lady in white. Like that. Due to her outfit, people believe that she's actually a spirit from a time before Disneyland existed. That perhaps she died on the property in the early 1900s and she decided to stay. But I mean, I would stay at Disney if you died on that land. Yeah, I would too. I love their, oh my gosh, what is it? It's like the street where they do all the parades. It's like the little downtown. Main Street? Yes, I love Main Street. With all the shops and stuff. I would live in Main Street. Yeah. So it's kind of sweet. Like it really is the happiest place on earth and in the afterlife because these ghosts can continue having fun and living in joy. If you had to... If you had to um, haunt one of the rides, which one would you be on? Mm. Okay, well, I haven't been to it yet, but the Star Wars park just opened, and so I'd have to be there. Okay. It, like, literally just opened two <laughs> weeks ago from when this episode comes out. So I need to go. And, okay, so last thing. Well, two things. But, so I discovered this Instagram account that is called Cats of Disneyland. It, it is amazing. I already th- – I've heard of it. Have you? Okay. So it is – I just assumed you already followed it. I should have told no, you. No, I just found it when I was doing my research. It is so cute. And apparently Disneyland has a ton of strays and they they accommodate them and they give them food and they let them roam the park and they get them neutered so they are doing the a good service to the world. And if any of them have kittens or get pregnant, they then help the kittens get homes by giving them to cast members who work at the park. Oh, that is very So sweet. now I need to work at Disneyland. Yes. There's also another Instagram account, which uh, people may find interesting. It is called Dilfs of Disneyland. Oh, my gosh. And it's just hot dads walking around the park. Do they get to give permission to be posted on this Instagram? Oh, no. It's like paparazzi photos. Oh, my totally gosh. not. That's strange. Nope. 
it's <laughs> a little weird. I did follow it for some time, and then I was just like, oh, my uterus hurts. I need to stop. My uterus hurts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the difference in us. Me, my Instagram account to follow about Disney is cats, and yours is DILFs. I'd rather follow the DILFs. Obviously. I'd follow, like a haunting of Disney account. Oh, that'd be cool. Or like food of Disney. Oh, the food of Disney. Those pickles. <gasps> the pickles. The pickles. Give me the pickles. I like the black and white cookies. Oh, those are good too. Yeah. They're also good. Okay, last thing I will say, because this is coming up in August, there is a spooky event happening in August at Disneyland because- What is it? The Haunted Mansion is celebrating its 50th anniversary of unliving. Ooh. And it's a- under the hill soiree filled with chills, thrills, and frightful fun. This summer, creepy crypt doors will creak as restless spirits join guests of all ages in celebrating the Haunted Mansion's 50th anniversary during two separately ticketed after-hours events at Disneyland Park. Foolish mortals will enjoy special entertainment, character encounters, photo ops, access to select West Side Park attractions, as well as unearth commemorative merchandise and delight in themed food and beverages offerings plus a few supernatural surprises so are you gonna go no because it's in the middle of the week oh shoot. it's like a wednesday through thursday day and then a thursday night to friday day because it starts at like you get to the park at eleven thirty p.m and then the wake starts at 1 a.m oh my god that's oh i wish i wish that I sounds so creepy so if people are interested it's august 7th through 8th and then August 8th through 9th this summer. That's so awesome. And that is Haunted Disneyland. Man, oh, man. Haunted it is. I mean, I knew Disney was haunted, but I didn't realize it was that haunted and that some of the people, like, that it's known who some of the people are. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure some of it is speculation, right? Because you're you're not yeah. going to get confirmation. But I think based on the deaths that they do know have happened, they can... It's an easy guess right, half the time. Right. But then there are so many other yeah. ghosts that aren't identified, and but they're all over the park and, you know. I know. I always hear about Pirates of the Caribbean being haunted. Yeah. Yeah. By Disney and his wife now, I guess. Yeah. Good for him. Good for him. That's a good spot. Good date night spot. Oh, yeah. They get to, he and his wife, sit up and watch all of the people dumping the ashes into the, the water. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, come on. <laughs> they place bets on who's going to get caught. Don't desecrate my land. Well, I have one from Michaela. She writes, hi, Corinne. Hi, Sabrina. My name is Michaela. And first off, I wanted to say I've discovered your podcast and have fallen in love. Thank you. I think the way you two tell stories is incredible. Oh, my gosh. Just tooting our horns. <laughs> and I love how you treat the spiritual world with both a balance of openness and caution. You are wonderful, and I hope you keep the stories running for a long time so we continue hearing wonderful stories. Aww. I love this. I was just thinking I wish I wish that this was our full-time job so that we can put more encounters stories out <laughs> because I'm so obsessed with reading all of them. I, I am obsessed with reading them. I will say my full-time job at the moment is my dream job. At the end of almost every episode, I hear you mention – that you would like to hear about experiences your listeners have had in the paranormal realm. So that's why I'm emailing you today. I've had several experiences in my lifetime, but I'm going to focus around the area that I grew up, specifically some instances that have happened to me in the past year. I haven't shared these with many, with many people, so I was excited to find an outlet that was actually interested in hearing what I had to say. Heck yeah. Okay. So I grew up in Western North Carolina, right at the base of the Appalachian Mountains. Or 
if you're from the South, Appalachian Mountains. (laughs) (laughs) These mountains are rich in history, and many people have reported spiritual activity all across the area. The incidents I'm going to tell you about take place in the Pisgah National Forest, located in the Appalachian Mountain Train. Did I say train? Yes, I think so. Mountain range. (laughs) Whoa. About a year ago, I took a job with a wilderness therapy program as a field guide. Basically, I would lead groups of students on eight-day backpacking expeditions into the Pisgah National Forest. For the sake of privacy for my company, I'm going to keep the name of the organization a secret. I would spend a week in the woods and then take a week off, and I've done that for about a year now. At one of our campsites one night, I went to sleep and I woke up in the middle of the night hearing voices, and it almost sounded like they were blowing in the wind. Hmm. They came from the complete opposite side of camp, and I checked on all of our students and they were still asleep. So I thought nothing of it, but the next day my coworker told me how she, how she had heard from the other staff that the area we were in was haunted. I then told her about the experience the night before, and we were both kind of creeped out. A couple months went by before any of my group returned to that area. Finally, I was assigned to hike my group out there, and in the middle of the night, while we were sleeping, I desperately had to pee. Hmm. I was hesitant because of my previous experience there at the site, but I was literally going to pee my pants. I feel you. So I get up to pee, and where I am peeing, there's a detached tree stump about 15 feet in front of me. It was about three feet wide and maybe one foot tall, so there's no way that it'd be falling over unless someone picks it up from the bottom and topples it over. Well, lo and behold, it topples over by itself while I'm peeing. I'm so freaked out that I just yank my pants up and I dash back over to my sleeping bag, and it takes me a while to fall asleep because I just feel a spiritual presence in the camp. This leads up to my final and scariest experience thus far while working in the woods. A couple of months after the stump experience, I'm in the same area with my group and I am asleep and I hear something move outside of my tarp. Since I work with at-risk youth, I am always on edge when I sleep and any little noise will wake me up pretty quickly. I hear a rustling and I turn my headlamp on. About 10 feet from me is a man standing in front of me. He's pretty tall and he has a mountain man beard. I am so freaked out that I just turn my headlamp off and I hide myself in my sleeping bag. However, 30 seconds later, I realize I have a camp full of kids (laughs) with a possible man slash ghost in the camp. And it's around 3 a.m. So I search all of the camp and I find no one. He was gone that fast and all of the students were still asleep. After checking camp, I get back into my sleeping bag, trying to bury myself in my sleeping bag for comfort. And eventually I fall back asleep. When I wake the next day, I reach for one of my water bottles to have a drink. I always fill my water bottles up at night, and I never drink water during the middle of the night because I will have to pee. (laughs) I reach for the water bottle and see that it's outside of my tarp, right where I saw the man the night before, and it was half empty. I was pretty much scared shitless at this point, and I tell my coworker, and at the end of the week, I tell my boss because someone or something was in our camp. It was an experience I will never forget, and the fact that there was hard evidence, my water bottle, scared me even more. And as I stated before, the National Forest is rich with all kinds of history from many people and cultures. I truly believe that the spiritual energy in Pisgah is particular and fair – in particular is fairly active. Thank you for letting me share my experience with you. 
If you're ever down in North Carolina, you'll have to pay the mountains a visit. Michaela. Um, I couldn't, I mean, this is why camping or doing anything outdoorsy in mountains is scary. And you also covered the Appalachian Mountain a long time ago on this podcast. Oh, yeah, because it's like one of the most haunted. And every single time I have a friend saying like, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go hiking or I'm going to go camping. I'm like, don't. <laughs> because <laughs> haven't you heard <laughs> it's haunted i do love camping i haven't gone in a long time but i do too but it's like you're just on edge totally between wildlife the possibility of a stranger coming up upon you and just all of the paranormal activity that could happen in the woods whether it be you know a different type of animal coming in contact with you or spirit yeah. it's just scary it is scary and also the idea of a man standing outside your tent and then that man possibly moving your water bottle to be outside of the tent the next night as like a, I can get in. But it was half full. So yeah, it makes me wonder, like, do you think it was a spirit or do you think it was a man? But because like the water bottle, the water bottle being half full made me think this was a creepy person coming upon the site and took a drink, like drank half of her water bottle to show her like, oh, I can... I'm here and I can move around being undetected mm -hmm. and you won't know. I can get into your tarp. But at the same time, she was awake after spotting him and then was cowering for 30 seconds. And she would have heard if he were running away or footsteps. Right. I mean, but also when you're in such fear like that, sometimes other senses don't work as well. So like she might not have heard it. Also, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like if it was a spirit – Spirits can manipulate objects, especially if it's moving it outside of the tent. It could also pour half of it out or do whatever right. with the other half. I mean, either way, it's terrifying. I think if it's a real human, it's worse and scarier. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't want to wake up to that. That's horrible. So creepy. And it also, like, based on her other experiences of, like, having to go to the bathroom and that trunk falling and then, like, hearing voices in the wind, like, I wonder if it's all – one and the same or if it's multiple other experiences of a, of different ghosts you know yeah i don't know i don't know the App appalachian trail that was super haunted super super haunted yes there's a million stories remember when i was doing it i was like this is so hard because there are 1000 incidents but <laughs> this podcast is supposed to be under two hours so <laughs> yes yes all right what do you have Okay, so this is a two-parter. It has some something about Disneyland, but then it's also just – it starts off without that. So this is from Caitlin, and it's called My Dad's Paranormal Experience. Hi, ladies. It's me, Caitlin. Um, I'm writing this at 1.37 in the morning, so sorry if there's any spelling or typos. Anyway, here's the reason why I'm, why I'm emailing. Over the last few days, I've gotten hooked on Ghost Adventures. It's been blowing my mind on how Zach does not make great decisions with spirits. Earlier today, I was watching a few episodes with a friend, and my younger brother is saying all sorts of weird things, like, in disbelief, like, fake. And as the day goes on, we have our little argument as I'm a pure epitome of a believer in the paranormal. And then my dad and I went out for a late night movie and came back home at around 1230. Of course, my brother is a night owl, and he's watching TV in the living room. And eventually, we get back into our ghost argument, and my dad gets into it. Eventually, my dad sits my sister and I down my sister and I down and tells us about his abilities. He tells us that he can see auras and at times spirits. He has for most of his life tuned it out with some exceptions. Of course, he tells us a few stories about this. I'll tell you about 
a few. The first two are pretty recent and short. When my family and I moved into the house we live in now about 10 years ago, he had to spend a week painting the house and he noticed one thing that he hadn't signed up for in the lease, a spirit of a woman. She would stand in the corner of the living room where my mom's chair now is. She wasn't a bad spirit. She was just lingering there. However, it freaked him out, so he politely asked her to leave, and she eventually left not long after. The next is pretty sad. About three years ago, my dad got a phone call about his estranged brother. He was trying to rebuild his relationship with not only his brother, but also his mom and his sister. Well, he got the worst call you can get about a family member. His brother was sick and in the hospital. Not a day later, my dad flew from California to Texas to see my uncle one last time before he died a few weeks later. My dad and him got some peace, thankfully, but after he died, my dad made his way back to the, had to make his way back for the funeral. I'm not going into a lot of details, but basically shit hit the fan with my family. My uncle had no will, and since he died so young, his eldest son was supposed to get everything, but my aunt and grandmother had other ideas. A lot of crap happened, and they took about half of what my cousin was supposed to get. Mind you, my cousin is basically my brother and another son to my parents, and my family screwed him over. My parents couldn't do much, so they came back home a few days after the funeral, and my dad had an experience that caused him to permanently tune out his abilities. The night after coming home, my dad was in a really vulnerable place in grief, and he let some things go, and in this vulnerability, he saw my uncle. My dad woke up from a cold sweat and saw my uncle staring at him from the corner of his bedroom. Then he started screaming at him to stop everything that was happening to his son. He was so angry at what had happened, and my dad couldn't take it emotionally anymore, even to this day. The next story is pretty spooky, and I promise after this, I'll give you guys a nice one to leave off on. I call this one the demon of the downstairs bathroom. Back in the early 90s, my dad lived with his two roommates. The house was a three-bedroom, three-bathroom, two-story house. My dad worked this night shift for his job, which would mean he'd come home in the wee hours of the morning. And one night, he got off early and was home about one in the morning and didn't want to wake up his roommate, so he chose to use the bathroom downstairs. Well, once he was done and leaving the bathroom, he saw something out of the corner of his eyes. So he turned, and I shit you not, he saw a fucking demon. (gasps) Of course, when he told this part of the story, my curious mind asked him what it looked like. He described it as, and I quote, He looked like the slimmer ghost from the Ghostbusters, but with a scarier face. I also assumed it was about the same size. This scared the crap out of my dad. He ran upstairs and woke up his roommates, and this was at 1 in the morning. One of the roommates had to get up at 5 a.m., and he wouldn't just do this for shits and giggles. He explained to them all of his abilities and how he was able to see the demon, and they asked, are you serious? He said, of course he was. So the first one explained explained that he was not just the regular roommate. He was the roommate who dabbled in the dark arts and decided one day that he would try to summon a, a dark spirit. So now they knew why the demon was there. But why was it trapped in the bathroom? Well, the second roommate was trying to combat evil in his own ways. And as you may know, doorways are are sort of portals for spirits. And if you're trying to protect yourself, you can block these doorways. So the second roommate blocked the doorway to combat bad energies and stuff, which managed to keep the demon in the bathroom. Oh, great. I know what you're thinking. They need a sitcom based on these roommates. I can see the title now. The Satan Worshipper, The Practicing Good Wiccan, and The Psychic. (laughs) Uh, so now they that would be great I know so now they figured this out my dad managed to get a lady out at 9 o'clock in the morning to exercise the house of the demon she got rid of it and they really didn't speak about it again okay here's the last bit so my dad and I are huge Disney fans we're pass holders and go to Disneyland pretty frequently well my dad with his abilities has told me now has told me how fun it is seeing Disneyland he says that there's a lot of spirits there and I think if you did an episode on Disneyland I would scream here I am (laughs) 
scream away. Also, he told me about Walt Disney's spirit. Although he has never seen Walt, he feels him. My dad said that Walt is all over the park, from his apartment in his firehouse to the fire truck that guests drive up and down Main Street. My dad can feel Walt spiritually. Well, back in 2013, my dad paid a visit to Walt Disney World, and he enjoyed it as it's Disney World, but there was something off about it. For a whole week, he couldn't put his finger on it, and then he realized why it didn't feel the same. Walt isn't truly there. Even though it's his vision and name, it's not Walt's Park. Walt's Park is in California, and I think that's where his spirit is happy is living happily today. I hope you enjoyed reading, and it, and feel free to read on the podcast. Thank you so much for creating a wonderful podcast and community. Can't wait for the next episode. I also think you make wonderful ghost hosts. I mean, ghostesses. Did you see what I did there with the Haunted Mansion references? No? Okay, I'll sign off now. I'll see you guys on the other side. Caitlin. <laughs> Wow, I wonder what else her dad sees. Like, I wonder if there's ever been anything like creepy around her and he's just a- too afraid to tell her. I know. Well, it sounds like he doesn't want to have his abilities and tries to turn them off. So I don't know. Right. But how crazy that his abilities are so strong that he goes to the happiest place on earth, also maybe one of the most haunted places mm-hmm. on earth, and he experiences everything. Yeah. Like, with that many people and all the crowds around. Like, it's one thing to be a worker at Disney and you're kind of like, in the areas when no one else is. But as a normal patron, as a normal visitor of Disney, you're surrounded by crowds. And to still pick up on that sort of energy or that change, that's so impressive. Yeah, that's really, yeah. I mean, he's had crazy experiences too. But what I do like is that I feel like he's been frightened by a bunch of his other experiences, but he loves Disney so much, which makes me think that the experiences at Disney are very peaceful. Yeah, that's true. Man, I mean, what spirits would be mad about living there? None. But can you – I'm sorry. Just the idea of being in a bathroom and a demon stuck I know, the in demon there in the bathroom. <laughs> with you. This is why so I go to the bathroom creepy. with my door open. Yeah. And it was trapped, which it's like – it's a good thing that it's trapped to one area, but it's also a bad thing because it's a place that you need to go use and visit right. all the time. Oh, boy. It's not like you're like, oh, we put it in the supply closet and now no one go – open the supply closet it's in the bathroom and the bathroom is the place where you're alone is something going on i can't tell sabrina yeah it sounds like someone's it's fine we're almost done i'll check on it later it's probably just leia is someone in your house you should check now it it might just be someone upstairs i'll check after leia well at least we're face we're FaceTiming, so if someone murders or attempts to murder you, I'll call the police right away. Thank you. I appreciate it. My door hasn't opened. I think it's probably just Leia. Okay. 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 Well. Oh, man, guys. Well, if you have ghost stories or uh, people creeping in your homes, let us know. Our email is twogirls1ghost podcast at gmail.com. And also just to specify, it's all spelled out, so it's not the number. It's T-W-O, Girls One Ghost. Podcast. Yeah, just like the name of our podcast. Correct. And you can support us in many ways. If you want to pick a episode topic, you can uh, support us on Patreon. And there are two tiers that give you a bonus of picking a topic. And you can do what Carrie did. Uh, you can also support us by buying merch and repping us all over the world. Mm-hmm. We have live shows, so... It's a little too late to come to Nashville if you didn't come already, but we're going to New York, and that's the last show that I think we have for a while. So if anyone wants an excuse to go to New York for a weekend, 
Come see Come us. See us. June, Jul- sorry, July 14th. July 14th. Come see us. Also, you can rate and review us on iTunes. It would mean a lot to us. And we will see you, see you on, on the other, other side. side.